Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. All right. Merry Christmas. You know, in, in one of the songs we were singing, it said, wonderful counselor, the, the theme of this year, wonder. What does that mean? Well, I'm gonna get into it. But the lyric says, wonderful counselor, so full of wonder, who's a counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But in the scripture, that comes from scripture. And in that scripture right before that, it says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Well, in the original language, the word government, it means authority, power, lordship. And the fact of the matter is the only way that we truly understand and are able to receive who Jesus is as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, really the only way we get the rest of that is if we understand the lordship of Jesus first. It's understanding that Look, he, he was born as a baby, but there's no doubt he came as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I think sometimes what happens is in our life, if we lose the Lordship of Jesus, then we will miss out on all those other things that he does, the ways that he ministers. And I find that when we forget about the Lordship of Jesus and we forget about him being King of our lives, then so often what we do is we get bad counsel from people. We try to do things on our own might. We walk around like we don't know where we belong without identity and knowing that he's our father and he loves us. And we certainly don't have any peace. We lose that. And so I think sometimes you just have to recenter. And that's what I want this service to be about. I want it to be about some of us that need to recenter and then some of us being introduced to who wants to be the center because we need him desperately. But I think a great way to get recentered is just, just to go back to the original Christmas story. So this is my son Reeves. Everybody say, hey Reeves. It's my younger son. And he's gonna read the Christmas story to us. Are you ready to do this? Okay, let's go. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Canarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth, Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in town, this David, a Savior, has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels have left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning about what had told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good job, dude. Proud of you, buddy. I think it's really important that, especially around Christmas, uh, that our kids, that we hand down to them what this is really about. Uh, we're, we're living in a time where if we don't hand down the word, we don't hand down the true meaning behind why we do what we're doing, it's gonna be lost very soon. And, uh, and so it's special for me to have one of my sons up here reading from my Bible, the Christmas story. And I want that to be something that every family in here, God wants you to have a spiritual legacy. I love the innocence of a child. I think about innocence though, and I think about Mary. Think about how overwhelmed, how much pressure was on her because she's having a baby who is God and the dad is God, and she, but she's a virgin. She's, she's not married yet. And so that's scandalous in and of itself within that culture, especially. So they don't have any family around them. They, they don't have, and now they've got to travel, okay? And I don't know about any of you ladies who've ever given birth before, but I doubt when you were nine months pregnant, you're like, you know what sounds like a good idea? Let's ride a donkey for a while. Like that probably wasn't on your to-do list. But all of that, everything that's going on, the word says is she just, she, she pondered all these things in her heart. Like for her, this was the greatest treasure. She was captivated by the wonder of the fact it was God with us, Emmanuel. And that she got to be a part of that. She was only a couple years older than Reeves, who was just up here. I think about the wonder of our lives. And I think maybe for some of us, it's been a long time, maybe since we were kids, that we were truly captured by the wonder of a moment. I think about times growing up, and a lot of you can relate to this. How many of y'all remember when you were growing up, there were times that you found something that you thought, man, was worth a lot of money. You were just convinced that like, this is priceless. Like, some of y'all, you had collectibles. Like if you ever opened some baseball cards or some basketball cards, like you're like, man, this is gonna be worth millions of dollars, you know? And sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. Some of y'all had pogs. How many of y'all remember pogs? Like those are supposed to be worth money. I don't think that ever like amounted to anything at all. Beanie Babies, some of y'all are still collecting Beanie Babies. Don't raise your hand, it's embarrassing. But I'm also just thinking about being a kid outside with a stick. How many of y'all remember how uncomplicated it used to be just being a kid. And every great kid had a stick. They just were outside and you dig. That's what you did. You're bored, find a stick, go dig, right? And I remember digging. And if I ever found like a crystal or something like that, I was just convinced, man, it's a diamond. 
It's got to be. This is, a, this is the biggest diamond that's ever been discovered, ever. And now I'm a billionaire. But I remember living in Colorado, digging with a stick, and I found what I knew for sure was gold. And I was so excited. There was wonder in that moment because I began to think about all the stuff that I was finally gonna be able to get, all those things that I'd been circling in the Sears catalog year after year after year, and now I was finally gonna get to buy all that stuff. And I was excited to go tell my parents, and I would recite in my head, like, I'm gonna go to them, I'm gonna say, Mom, Dad, you've worked hard for a long time, but you're never gonna have to work again because your son, your favorite son, found gold. And by the way, there's a lot more where that came from. But I remember showing the gold to my parents and them saying, I'm sorry, James, but that is fool's gold. It's not real gold. And I was absolutely crushed in that moment. In that moment, it's like any wonder that was there, totally destroyed. I think some of us, it's been a while since we've experienced wonder. Some of you ladies, right now, you're wearing fake gold. You just don't know it yet because your husband hasn't fessed up that he bought you fake gold. Right now, you have the wonder. I might have just ruined it. But I think a lot of us, we've been digging all year only to find fool's gold. Like you've been digging to try to get a great family, but now you feel like a fool. It might feel too late. You expected to get a great career, a great job, but you're fooled. It was folly, it wasn't gonna amount, or you expected to get joy back. You were digging so hard to find happiness, but you still don't have that. It was fool's gold. Or you're expecting to have some influence and make some good friends, but you still deal with so much anger and bitterness that it repels people and you feel like a fool. And to cope with it not panning out the way that you wanted it to, maybe you've resorted to drinking or drugs or there's other secret sins that are happening behind closed doors that are now taking a deeper stronghold in your life than you ever intended for them to take. Or maybe you're just working really, really hard all the time. Why? Because you realize that the moment that you are still is the moment that you have to recognize just how broken you still are. And some of you, you cope by just staying really busy all the time. Like the fuller the schedule can be and the more running around with all the kids you're doing, the more it allows you to not recognize that maybe what you're chasing after is not gonna bring you true fulfillment. There's a lot of ways that we cope when we realize maybe what we're digging isn't real. Christ came so that we could have the real thing. Christ came so that the wonder that we can have in him never goes away. And when he becomes the sinner, when he truly is mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father, when he truly is all those things, then the pursuit is truly fulfilling. It's the only way. I think some of you, you expected to walk with Christ forever, but something has caused you to fall away. You've lost the wonder of Christ. 
which means you, you can't have the wonder of Christmas because Christ is the wonder of Christmas. There's a carol that we sing, joy to the world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love and the wonders and wonders of his love. That's what you, he wants you to rediscover or discover for the first time. The truth is this, none of us are worthy of the wonder or him. That's what makes it wonder. That's what makes it incredible. And the truth is you will never look into the eyes of another human who is worthy of his wonder, but you will also never look into the eyes of someone who he didn't want to forgive and reveal his wonder to. But the fact is we still have a choice. We still get to choose. And Daniel 9, 9 says, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. The fact is you can join a church, even be really committed at a church and remain the same. You can sit with a pastor for hours and hours and get counseled and remain the same. But when you meet Jesus and you know that he is savior and Lord of the world and your life, that wonder will change you forever. So we know a lot of this story and we read some of it, there's also the part with the wise men, but a lot of times, honestly, we don't get this right. We're all aware of the nativity scene, we're aware of the shepherds being there and the wise men, but historically, biblically speaking, that's not completely accurate. We know that there were wise men, the Magi. The truth is they traveled over a thousand miles. Why? Because they saw a light in the sky that they read about in prophecy, in the book of Numbers, and prophecies from Daniel that told of a, of a savior that was going to come. And so just because of that, because of a light they saw in the sky, they traveled a thousand miles to find the savior. We know that there were three gifts, but in reality, there were actually probably way more than just three wise men. There was a whole group of these people. And we know that when they got to the region where this light was leading them, that they went to King Herod. And they said, hey, we're here because we know about this prophecy and we're looking for who this Messiah is. He's in the region of Bethlehem and Herod, as soon as he heard that, his pride welled up. He didn't want anybody else to be king. Sometimes that can be the response of our heart. Like, no, nobody else gets to be king, I'm king. But anyway, the Magi, they eventually found Jesus, but the truth is Jesus was probably about two years old when they finally found him. So it was after he was born. And we know that at that time, they worshiped him. They were filled with wonder. But it started with a long trip, a long journey. Over a thousand miles back then, I promise you, that was, that was a trip. They came from Persia. So it wasn't a, a fun trip at all. But I meet a lot of people that it feels like to them, they're a thousand miles away from Jesus too. Even though in reality, he's near, he's near. And then I meet other people that it seems like they're near to Jesus, but when they're really honest, they realize they're just going through the motion. It's just habitual activity and not genuine 
relationship and nearness. The great thing is this, the Christmas story doesn't stop at Christmas, it keeps on giving. Because that Christ child grew, he became a man and he died to show his desire to close the distance that you feel from God. That's what Christmas is really about. And that is wonder that a perfect God, a holy God would love us in such a way that he would be willing to do that. The truth is God has hardwired all of us to have wonder, to find something so compelling, so worthy that we would want to give and live for it. A great missionary once said that you can tell a lot about someone based on what they think about when they think about God. I think for a lot of us, the issue is that we have drifted into an identity crisis and our God image that we have of who God is, is way off. And we think that God is mad or disappointed or distant. When we think about God, we just think about this like huge white bearded man sitting on the throne, looking down on us in disappointment. Earlier, we, we were doing that song and those kids came on stage and they decorated that tree and it was cute and it was precious. Let's be honest, we're probably not gonna hire those kids to decorate our tree anytime soon. But we didn't care, it didn't matter because we just liked the kids being around. The fact of the matter is, even the greatest accomplishments you've ever had in your life will be compared to rubbish and compared to the greatness of God. But the fact is that God's not looking at you and accepting you or loving you any more, any less because of your accomplishments. He just wants you near to him. Just like we like having kids around us. I think some of us have just lost the wonder, the realization of how much God loves us. Something's been turned off inside of us. There was a play of the Christmas story being done at a local elementary and they had you know, a nativity scene set up with the manger and, and a light on Jesus. And as the shepherd boys were coming out, the first shepherd boy, he accidentally tripped over the cable that was plugging in that light and he unplugged the light. So the shepherd boy right behind him said, oh no, he turned off Jesus, like really loud. And I think some of y'all, you made the choice, but you turned off Jesus. You don't feel like he's near. So how do we discover or rediscover the wonder? Well, I wanna look at what the wise men do because I think we can learn from them. First of all, you must search to find him. You gotta search to find him. Which really just means this, you gotta be willing to reach out. You gotta be willing to turn to him. What I find is you either have wonder or you are wondering. Wondering is just drifting accidentally. Well, you don't accidentally find Christ. You make a choice. They traveled a thousand miles. So what are you willing to do to reach out to him? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So what this says is that wonder is actually inside of you. 
It's been inside of you your whole life, but it has to be unlocked through a surrender to Jesus, through a recognition, but it's just a turning towards him. The word says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. Just by seeing the light in the sky, they were overjoyed. One thing's for sure is when you lose your wonder, you are not gonna be overjoyed. You're gonna be overjoyed. Like, joy's done. One of our pastors, they have a dog, they named the dog Joy. But they put one of those apple tags on it. So if that dog ever gets out, it has, it has a tendency to run away. And when that dog gets out, they get a notification on their phone, Joy has left the house. Or when they leave the house and they leave the dog, they get a notification. You left joy in the house. This is your notification. If you've left your joy, you can get it back. Jesus wants to return it to you. Are you willing to search? Are you willing to just simply turn to him? But my question is this, what have you been searching for? Because you have been searching for something. Thinking that it's gonna bring fulfillment, thinking that it's gonna bring joy but it won't. You'll just keep on digging, you'll keep on searching, but you won't find it until you turn towards Jesus. He's the only one that can bring joy. Also bow down without hesitation. The word says in Matthew 2.10, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. I want you to think about that scene. Grown men, men of influence, of wealth, of intellect, of knowledge, of wisdom. I mean, these were rulers, they were warriors. These were men of war. They had experienced some things. And without hesitation, they bowed down to who they knew was their king in bodily form of a two-year-old boy. Man, that's powerful. You just gotta know this. It doesn't matter what you think that you've accomplished over the course of your life, how smart you think you are. I promise these men were probably smarter than you. They were the wise men. You've probably never been identified. This is so-and-so, he's a wise man. They were smart, they were successful. They had accomplished a lot, but they recognized one thing. None of that matters at all if it's not all bowed at the feet of Jesus. And they did it without hesitation. They didn't need to have some, well, a boy too? I mean, this is the, no, they knew and they bowed. It was faith, it was sacrificial, they did it. In Psalm 95, six, it says, come, let us bow down and worship him. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And also go home a different way. Go home different. We know the wise men did, why? Because an angel gave them a vision and revealed to them Herod's plan. Herod had already issued a decree to kill every boy that was gonna be around the age that Jesus was. And they knew if they went back the same way, they could run in to Herod or to his, his soldiers and they would try to get the information out of them of where Jesus was. And so they went home a different way. Another way you could say this is, they took a turn, they, could, they took a turn, they took a different turn, a different way. Some of you, you need desperately to take a turn 
And that's what actually the word repentance means. It means to turn, go a different way, turn. Because the fact is this, some of us, at one point or another, we feel like, yeah, I bowed down to Jesus as my savior. I might've even recognized him as my Lord. He's gotta have control, but you never turned. You never repented. There's gotta be a turning if you're gonna get your wonder, if you're gonna live in that wonder. You came one way, my prayer is that you leave totally different. Revelation 3, 5 or 15, it talks about the condition. And I think it talks about the condition that a lot of us can find ourselves in right now. I know what you have done. I know that you're neither hot, cold nor hot. How I wish you were either one or the other, but because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I don't think I've ever read this verse in a candlelight service before. That these are the times we are living in. And I find it interesting that in there, it says that he would actually prefer you to be cold than lukewarm. How many of y'all drink a lot of coffee? Anybody in here drink some coffee? Come on, where are all the Baptists at? Where are all my Christians at? Okay. All right, some of you are like, I hate that dirt water. That's gross, you know? That's fine. We drink a lot of coffee in my house. Because we drink a lot of coffee, we got a lot of coffee cups and mugs. We actually had a, have a set of coffee mugs and they're all the same. We usually use them for when we have people over, you know, so we can entertain and stuff, but we've got like 10 of these cups. They all look the same. Well, at any given point, there's a bunch of these laying out and they've got different amounts of coffee in it. There's nothing worse than going and picking up a coffee mug, thinking this is my fresh, hot, coffee that I just poured, taking a big old drink and realizing that's been sitting there for two days. That's gross. The only thing worse than that is if you grew up in a house where somebody dipped and there's a dip can. I'll leave that there though. I mean, that, that would be worse by far. You've never gone and driven up to a coffee shop or went into a coffee store, a coffee shop that serves coffee and when you ordered your latte, they said, okay, would you like that room temperature? We've got some that's been sitting around for a couple of days. They don't offer that as an option. They say, do you want it hot or do you want it cold? Why would God say that he'd rather you be cold? Have you ever been truly cold before? Okay, I'm not talking about like last night or even today walking from your car, okay? But like cold, shaking, Fearful for your life, cold, okay? Well, a couple nights ago, me and Reeves got close to that, I feel like, because we had to take the trash cans down to the street. It's only about 60 yards, but with that wind chill, I mean, it was like negative 15 degrees outside, right? And so, I mean, I was proud of him. He was tough. I was pretending like I was tough because I'm the dad. We have to do that. We get the trash cans down to the street. Usually I'm very particular about making sure they're spaced out appropriately and everything because the trash men are particular about that sometimes. At this time, I didn't care. Just get them there, get them as close. And then all I could think about is, I have got to get out of this cold, even if I have to leave him behind. You know, like, no, I'm, I encourage him to come with. But we're like running back to the house. But the problem with running is then the wind chill's even greater. And so our face is freezing off. But at that point, we're just cold. 
and we're desperate to get back into the house. And that is a great word for some of you. Some of you, the reason why you've lost your wonder is because you've been disconnected from part of God's purpose and a part of God's purpose is for you to be connected to the body of Christ and the local body of believers. That is a part of what it means to be a Christian. He says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Why? Because the saints need you and you need the saints. And some of you, the best way for you to get your wonder back is you need to get back in the house of God. You'll get your edge back. You'll get your joy back. It'll help you. I promise that. God's created you for it. But I think God knows he'd rather us be cold because at one point or another, when you're truly cold, you're gonna have an intense desire to be warm again. And so I've actually been praying that God would bring some cold people into this service because I believe that when you come face to face with a loving God, a counselor called the Holy Spirit and the reality of who Jesus is, you will realize just how cold you are and you will have an intense desire to be warm, to find Jesus, to experience Christmas. That's what this is all about. Are you willing to reach towards him? Are you willing to not hesitate and be humble before him? Because if you will, I think you can go home a different way. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. want to give an opportunity to anybody that's in this room. You have never experienced the wonder of Jesus. You're away from him. Maybe because you have never surrendered your life to him. Or maybe you feel like you've lost it. You've drifted away from the wonder of a relationship with a loving God, a real and genuine relationship with a loving God. And maybe you need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him. Well, either one of those people, that is the meaning of Christmas. It's for you. That's why Jesus came, for you. And I'd love to just give you an opportunity to respond to him, to say, Jesus, I do need you. I need you. I'm away from you. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna embarrass you but I think that you need to be bold enough to admit it, just willing to admit that's me. And the reason why that's important is because I think the moment that you're willing to admit that, you're gonna experience his grace hit your heart like you've never experienced it before. And if you're here and you recognize you need him, nobody's looking around, I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see you, make eye contact. You can put that hand down. Thank you, thank you guys, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? I'm just away from the Lord. I need, to, I need to surrender to him. I don't wanna play games. I don't wanna just do the church thing. I need Jesus. Anyone else? Ready to call on him as your Lord and Savior? Okay. Father God, I thank you for those few hands. I'd encourage you, if you just raise your hand, tell somebody you're making this decision. The word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. So you need to confess it. And I encourage you, if you have a local church, next time they have a baptism service, get water baptized as a declaration of your faith. If you're part of this church, or if you wanna come back in a couple of weeks, we're gonna have an opportunity for water baptism. But right there, we're gonna talk to Jesus. And I just want you to say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm away from you. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. And right now, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. 
I thank you that you rose from the grave. And when you rose from the grave, you defeated death, which means I have the hope of heaven. I get to live with you for eternity. But I also know it means that I've got a purpose in you. And I want to accomplish that purpose for the rest of my life. I don't want to just dig and find fool's gold at the end. I want to be able to know where my value is, where true joy is, where true peace is. And I know the only way I can do that is to live out the life that you have for me. So I surrender and I turn away from living the way I've wanted to live. I wanna live for you, my purpose in you. Be my Lord, be my savior. Father, thank you for meeting with us and thank you for meeting with those few folks that raise their hand. Thank you, Emmanuel, God with us, God with them, God with all of us right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.